behind every bit of mom wisdom is a story. A story of a real mom and real kids just trying to love each other well. Whether you're cozied up on the couch with a mug of coffee, pulling out of car line and heading to work, or out for a walk, you're welcome to join us as we share stories and laugh, learn, and grow together. It's the I'm On Podcast. Welcome to this week's episode of the iMom Podcast. This week's story comes from Susan, the creator of iMom and mother of five. I'm Abby, mom of two elementary age boys, and joining us today are Megan, who's one of Susan's kids and a mom to a toddler, and Chloe, iMom's social media manager. Today's story is called When You See Your Hard Work Pay Off, and it was really neat. It's amazing how God kind of makes these things happen. We were talking about this topic, and then Mary Jo, one of our new writers for iMom, came up with this idea where she shared a similar story about her own child and how she noticed that he was maturing like right in front of her eyes and that there are these things that our kids will do on occasion that make us realize, wow, all this hard work that we're doing is actually paying off and and, uh, that we see the fruits of our labor. And so Susan, I cannot wait to share this story today. Take it away. Yeah, this is a funny story simply because had I intervened, I would have made a mistake. My reaction to this was wrong, which showed me that my daughter had actually, in this case, matured beyond me. Um, and so it is a fun story. Uh, one of my girls was really involved in chorus. And I think it was her junior or senior year. Anyway, she was in the advanced chorus and they have this big Broadway show and they do all these different musicals. And she had several musicals that she was in. And one of them that was chosen was a musical piece that she didn't even want to be in. The other girls were 13 girls in this one one song, and which is a red flag to begin with. Right? <laughs> that many girls, it's hurting cats. But they asked her to be in it because she was in the advanced chorus and she had a solo voice and they needed a soloist. So she said yes, flattered that they would ask her. But because she was so involved in the chorus and she was an officer of the chorus, the choral director then kind of put the burden of pulling this number together on her. Because again, these other girls were all involved in stuff. They weren't coming to rehearsals. It was getting really messy. The show was drawing near. And so Emily was under the pressure. My daughter was under the pressure to pull this together. And he, the choral director was kind of getting mad. He said, if you guys, next rehearsal, if, if it's not together, I'm pulling it. And so she had to kind of corral the girls and say, okay, we're rehearsing at my house. And I was the chorus booster president at the time. And I said, I'll help, whatever you need. So pull some choreography together, whatever you need to practice. Well, long story short is the girls were very cranky about it and starting to get frustrated with Emily, who was literally just trying to execute, could care less about this number because she had several others. Well, the dress rehearsal came. And as I said, I'm a volunteer. And so I was on mic duty. And that means miking all these kids up in between shows. So you're, you're tons of mics. And I was super busy the whole night. And of course, I was the last one to leave with the choral director and a couple of other people because we were cleaning up the auditorium because, of course, there's class there the next day. And um, Emily was kind of pulling all her costumes together because she was in a bunch of numbers and she was still there. And she came to me. I was in the auditorium and she said, <clears throat> Mom. I'm going to go, but I need your help when we get home. And I'm looking at my watch and it's like 11 o'clock because of course it was a dress rehearsal after school, all hours, blah, blah. Mm. And I'm like, wait, what's up? And I'm thinking, oh my gosh, does she have a test tomorrow or something? She's a junior. You know how those grades are important. (laughs) And she said, something's happened. I don't want you to be upset. I just need your help. I'm like, oh shoot, what's, what's the matter? And this is, this daughter has Addison's disease. So she has to take steroids to do these kind of things. She has to take steroids her whole life. She has no adrenal gland. So, um, you know, just a bur- like 
on top of school rehearsals, the physicalness, everything in this, the stress is a lot for her, but she handles it beautifully. She takes extra steroids, but in my head, I'm always kind of the protective mama bear. Oh gosh, she needs to get home. She needs to get to bed. <laughs> and um, she said, somebody put gum and stuck my dress together. And it was the dress from this Legally Blonde mm, number. Uh, and she said, on top of that, my phone was stolen. Uh, I went from zero <laughs> to 100, Mama Bear, in 10 seconds flat because I knew exactly who had done it. So had these girls, do you think these girls were just getting really angry with her and annoyed with her that she was in charge and trying to tell them what to do? So a couple things. These girls were were had been long, long, long time, you know, loose friends, but same grade, very competitive. Plant is a really competitive school and they weren't in the advanced chorus. They hadn't been chosen for it. She was in the chamber chorus. There's only like 12 girls, 12 guys. And so, yeah, it's a couple things. It's a like envy. It's Mm -hmm. mean girl stuff. It's just, it's just girls. It's just really bad choices. I'm sure they're great kids now. I'm sure, you know, whatever. They just had an idea and they did something and, and I knew exactly who it was. And I was like, I am going to the choral director because I know he would know who it is. There were three girls who were being a problem. They were the ones not showing up in rehearsals. It was an issue. But Emily looked at me and she said, Mom, she was so calm. I was not. She said, Mom, I've got this. I don't tomorrow. I need to rest. I have a big day tomorrow. The show is tomorrow. The show runs for three nights straight and then two on Saturday. Jeez. You know, so she was like, I can't get into it now. I don't want to get into it now. I need you to help me get this gum out. I have to wear this dress tomorrow. And so she gets in her car. I finish, get in my car, and I am boiling. And I just don't know if you moms out there can understand how angry I was and how many different ways I was mapping to take care of this. Just for fear that something would happen in the show and blah, blah, blah. We got the gum out. She made me promise not to do anything. And it killed me. Because I more than wanted to do <laughs> a bunch of things. Like get these girls kicked out, of course. Um, the show started the next night. Again, I'm doing mics. And I'm just literally praying, okay, Lord, if anything else is going to go down, I just want to see it. I want to, you know, because these girls, and if that phone doesn't show up, you know, there's this issue of the phone. <laughs> like, if that phone doesn't show up, I'm going to definitely have to report it. Yeah. So anyway... I'm working the mic station and it's time for these 13 girls to get mic'd and I'm miking them all and trying not to strangle a few with the cord. <laughs> and, um, and then they go into the wings and I'm miking up the next group, but I just wanted to check in because you wait a whole number ahead in the wings. And so I thought, I'm just going to go in there and just give get my eyeballs on Emily, make sure she's okay because she's about to go out. And she's got fast changes. She was in a bunch of numbers. And I opened the door. And in the dark, in the wings, is a circle of 13 girls holding hands while my daughter prays for the number. That they would do well, that they would give glory to God. I mean, I just wanted to, you know, and they're holding hands and all the girls are praying. And I was like, okay, you know, this is a public school. This is a school where she has at times been persecuted by her faith And yet she had the courage to ask girls who she's some of whom she's known her whole life um, to pray with her instead of be angry. Mm -hmm. 
And I know Mary Jo writes in this article, you know, we we don't always really think we're parenting with purpose, but we need to because we're parenting to release our kids. And as they walk out from underneath us, if they go to college or they go directly into the workforce, they get an apartment, they have to be able to make choices for themselves. They have to have a faith to stand on their own, to not rely on you. Um, and that's what you want. But the thing is, you don't really realize that's what you mm-hmm. want till you get there and you realize, oh my gosh, she is fearless, more fearless than I. And in this case, I think you told me a couple of the points Mary Jo made, um, you know, she chose kindness over being right. Mm-hmm. I was right to be angry. She was more than right to be angry, but she chose to be kind and lead by example. And then she boldly asked them to enter in and pray. And they said, yes, mm-hmm. you know, what a great, there was going into that, that, that song, there was tension. There was whatever. When they came out, there was joy mm-hmm. and what a great resolution. And so that's just what I wanted to talk about. You know, do you know what you're parenting for and, um, and how do you get there before you're in panic mode because they're leaving and you're not right. Right there? Well, and I think you made a good point at the very beginning by saying that it requires you as the, the parent to step back and allow them to exercise the things that you've been teaching them and, mm-hmm. and to trust them enough to say, okay, well, I think you didn't even realize you were doing it at the time, but, um, you know, give them that room to show mom, I learned this. And mom, I'm a I bad it. example of that. Because I was not going to give her that room. Mm-hmm. I wanted to take control. And she and had to tell protect you her. not to. She had to tell me. Mm-hmm. And so be better than I am and step back <laughs> and, <laughs> and let them deal with it. Or So what be. do you think are the things that we can do along the way? Because that's kind of the gist of Mary Jo's article is doing these things as they're younger so that when they're 18, when they're juniors in high school and they have the opportunity to exercise what you've taught them, like what are those little things that we can be doing along the way to build those characteristics in them? Gosh, I think there's so many. I mean, Chloe and Megan as one of Susan's daughters and Chloe, I mean, do you guys remember there being things that your parents built up in you or, um, you know, ways that they gave you little, little quizzes along the way so that you would pass the tests later on. I know that for me, like I remember I was in second grade. I got in a fight in the bathroom in second grade. <laughs> wow. Oh, right? sweet Abby. I know. Only fight I've ever been in in my life. And I don't even think it was a fight. I think I just pulled a girl to the ground because she cut in front of me. Oh my I'm gosh, like, Abby. Right. Well, I had to go really bad. <laughs> like, you know, you know, mess in the bathroom. Um, that's all that happened. Another girl went and tattled on us and we got sent to the principal's office. And I never told my mom. Wow. And so then, and I can't believe the school didn't call, right? Yeah. Um, got sent to the principal. It was Sister Irene. <sighs> yeah. Um, so then when my report card came out, I had a C in conduct. My little second grade person of me got a C in conduct. And my mom was like, why in the world yeah. did you get a C in conduct? And I was like, and I shrunk. And then, and my mom called the teacher and the teacher said, oh, Abby didn't tell you what happened. And I, you know, I remember hiding, like I literally hid behind a piece of furniture. Mm. And um, that was a moment that taught me, you know, down the road. I know it's it obviously it stuck with me 34 years later. <laughs> Don't hide the truth. Yeah. Tell the truth yeah. the first time because it's, 
so much better to get it out of the way, you know, when, when the first time adding a lie on top of the, whatever you did wrong, mistake. it just makes it so much worse. I used to teach my kids that I used to say, it's one thing to make a mistake. It's three times as bad to then lie on top Mm -hmm. of it. We would tie the consequence to the mistake, but if they lied, they got a spanking. Yeah. 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 Um, Because to us, that was like, okay, covering up. Well, then you get a teenager who's covering up and the temptation and the stuff just gets Mm -hmm. too, too hard to recover from. Yeah. Did I give you guys enough time to come up with a, a good example? Well, I uh, cheated on my spelling test in the second grade. And what is the second what grade? I don't know, man. It? Challenging. I can't believe my boys are third and fourth grade now. I'm surprised. I'm like, I feel like we made it through a really tough phase. <laughs> yeah. Well, <laughs> I, I cheated on my spelling test and my mom found out. She took me back. It was that night she found out at like. 7 p.m. So she said, okay, we're going to your teacher's house and you're going to tell them what you did. And I, I understand now. You went to the teacher's yes, house. but I understand now nice. that my mom was friends with the teacher. Okay. <laughs> but before that, I didn't quite understand that. I'm like, ah, this is just so scary. Mm-hmm. Um, so we went to my teacher's house. I told her what I did. Um, of course, she said, I forgive you. Thank you. And I never cheated on a test mm-hmm. ever again. Even like... In college, when people were like, oh, like, I'll give you my homework. I'm like, nope, not doing it. Like, I'll never forget just having to be accountable for my actions, I think, was the big the big thing that, like, I learned from that and took away of, like, just if you it's one thing to make a mistake, but it's another thing to deliberately, you know, disobey. Mm -hmm. It comes down to, in your example, especially respecting your parents, Mm -hmm. you respect them, you want them to respect you. And by disappointing them, Mm -hmm. it's just like, that's worse than anything else. You know, if you respect your parents, seeing that look on their face, it like imprints upon you that lesson. You're like, well, I'll never, I'll never forget it. Yeah. When I was in college, I um, met someone my first night out as a freshman summer B before my freshman year. So my college had a summer semester that you could do before your freshman year to kind of get acclimated on campus. And there's less students. You only take like two classes. So it's a really soft landing into college. And I met a guy um, my first night out at college and we just hit it off and we dated for all four years of college. Um, That feels like such like a meet cute type type of thing, you know, like, oh, we met on our first night. Yeah. And um, he was four years older than me. So my dad loved that I was 18 (laughs) and he was 22. Um, So wait, he was four years older than you, but you dated for four years. So was he in grad school? No. So he went into the military or he played baseball and then went into the military straight out of high school. And then he went to get his degree uh, after that. Got it. So that's why. Um, and so we dated all four years of college um, and then it came time to graduate. And, you know, we're like talking about where we're, you know, where we're going, like, where are we taking jobs? What are we doing? And I had a job opportunity in Birmingham and I don't think he ever envisioned, well, I shouldn't speculate, but I think he thought, you know, we would get engaged and I would follow him wherever. Um, And I always had this plan of working. I wanted to go work. I worked hard for my degree and I got a great job with a fortune 500 company in Birmingham. And so I wanted to go take that job. 
Uh, so that didn't go over well. And I just kind of knew in the back of my head that things were off my senior year. We broke up and got back together like a million times um, just because we were having disagreements about things. And I think I just knew deep down that it wasn't the person I was supposed to marry, but at the same time, you built this four-year relationship with someone and it's really difficult to, to let it go. And I think I was in love with him. And uh, so that's even harder, but I just knew that I didn't think that he was the person I was supposed to marry. Did you have um, like your mom or dad's voice or a, a some I think I'm mom article? I probably, your... We talked a million times <laughs> because a million times. I could see during that senior year, the on and off. I said, yeah. just don't be the frog in the pot. Yeah. That it just keeps getting worse and worse. But because it's what you know, you stay in. And yeah. And Megan, just was it also impactful just watching your parents' marriage and and knowing what you deserve from their example? Yeah. And I think too, you grow a lot between 18 and 22, because by then I was a senior. Um, and I think you start to realize who you are and what you want in life. Um, and I loved him. I really did. And I still think he's a great guy. I just didn't think that our lives were going to be together forever. And I think there was just some things that I didn't think would mesh well for the future. And I thank God every day that we didn't get married because I think we are both probably now married to the people that we should be married to. Yeah. Uh, but, but it was a, but, like but, a huge internal battle, especially when you, and I am a loyalist. So I've, you know, built this relationship with someone for four years. It's hard to all of a sudden just be like, okay, bye. See you later. <laughs> yeah. like, <laughs> but where I saw your maturity and faith come in is when you did move to Boomy, Birmingham and you didn't know anyone there and you were very lonely. Um, is that you were tempted because he did call and start pursuing you mm. again. And you you did call me and talk to me, A. So mm. you, you one of the points in Mary Jo's article should be, do you have that, does your child have that wisdom to seek out counsel, yeah. to, to know who they can trust, to know you well enough to give you good advice? Yeah. And we did talk about it and, and you expressed that, mom maybe he is the one because he's pursuing me again and there's no one here and um and and yet and he actually drove up there to see you and surprised you remember mm-hmm. and you called that me really like, that really threw me for a loop because I just I was processing internally and then when someone shows up it's really hard not to jump back into things but I do remember you asking me some really hard questions that I think some parents might be afraid to ask their kids because their kids might not like mm-hmm. being asked those questions because you asked me some questions just about our future and, and looking into the future. And would I be happy if we were doing X, Y, and Z? Would I be happy if we were living in X city? And would I, you know, giving me a realistic view of probably what my life would look like. And I just remember thinking like, mm. that is not how I envision my life. And And I think that was, I think that was really hard for me to see and really hard for him to see too, because I think he wanted me to be someone I wasn't and I wanted him to be someone he wasn't. Um, So here's the pretty ending. Are you going to tell the pretty ending? What's the pretty ending? (laughs) Well, as a mom, you're on edge. Yeah. She's living hundreds of miles away. 
you know she had really good reasons not to continue the relationship. And you know, especially your daughter, just that loneliness and being alone in a city and um, and then being pursued by someone who really is a great guy. Yeah. And uh, Megan was coming home for Christmas vacation and I called my mother-in-law and I said, this is where I, you got to have your people to pray with you for your kids. I said, I am praying, praying that it is raining Christian men when Megan comes home. Wow. And and that's Hallelujah. because because like I said this was a great guy. He was a believer yeah. and that's all our, that's our criteria for who our kids marry. Do they have faith? And he did. And so then just the fact that they were fighting was the only thing. So um I prayed that cuz she kept saying, "Mom, there just aren't a lot of good Christian guys out there. There just aren't." Mm-hmm. And I hear this a lot from a lot of women. So I know there's no men listening to this, but if you are a Christian man, Go find yourself a good Christian mm-hmm. girl because it seems to me that they're there well, waiting for the you. The women listening have sons. Yes, exactly. Mm. Exactly. Teach your son, grow up and marry yeah. a good Christian girl. Anyway, I told my mother-in-law to pray for that. I said, I just want her to see, even even if she doesn't meet her future husband, to just see that, yes, there are good, fun Christian guys to date and she just needs to hold on. And uh, she met her husband. On Christmas break. Wow. Yeah. Well, I actually went on three dates. Over she went three dates. Over Christmas break. <laughs> With and three different so... guys? Yes. Yeah. Wow. Yes. When she had dated no one in Birmingham. No, no, no. It really <laughs> it did. It was so funny. It really did. One of our board members' son called her out of the blue. I mean, it was like crazy. Like, just these people. It was so random. Yeah. yeah but God, very... So that's where you kind of have to pull God into the picture for sure. Yeah. I'm curious because I love hearing that you chose to ask Megan questions and let Megan kind of write the narrative herself of, okay, no, I don't. I don't want this. I don't mm-hmm. see myself living in X city. I don't see this for my future. Um, I, I think that that is like a really powerful parenting tool because you're not telling your child, you don't want that. Right. You want this. You're asking them questions to get them to a place where they can say for themselves. No, I don't, I don't think I want that. Even so, if it's not out loud, they, they might kind of lie out loud, but the, the question has planted a seed. But yeah. I can't say that I was good at that, but note this story, Megan was what? 25, 24, by no, this 20, time versus 23. six years earlier when Emily was only, you know, 17, 18, that transition of going from more controlling your child's life, mm-hmm. making decisions for them yeah. and letting go and then just asking them questions to make their own decisions. Mm-hmm. There's a transition there. And in Emily's case, I didn't do it well. I could have done the same thing I did with Megan with Emily and go, well, Emily, how are you feeling about that? Mm, you know, right. what do you want to do next? Instead, I was just, no, I wanted to fight. So mm. kind of zooming out on the, like, the whole topic of seeing your hard work pay off and like, how, what do you do along the way so that you know what your work is? You know, it's like seeing your hard work pay off, but Susan, you say a lot, and I've read a lot of iMom articles that you've written about finding your purpose in parenting early, you know, finding it so that that influences all these other decisions that you make along the way. So if you know your purpose in parenting is to raise kids who love the Lord or to raise a child who goes on to make a million dollars in their career, I mean, Mm -hmm. whatever that is, if you decide it early, that's going to affect those decisions you make. And maybe you would have, and I'm, I understand that you did decide that early on, but maybe that moment with Emily, it could have been a clearer moment for you. So there's two things I read about in The Passionate Mom that I feel like as moms are huge for us. It's protecting our kids and preparing our kids. Mm-hmm. With Emily, I was still in protect mode. 
with Megan, I had moved to prepare. And the problem is there is a transition there. Our instinct is to protect and just make it all right for them. But our purpose should be to prepare. (laughs) Our purpose should be, yes, protect, but to prepare, even at a very young age, even when you're protecting them from breaking their grandmother's stuff, you're still preparing them to be able to go into a home and respect people. Yeah. It's it's all one, but one is purposeful, one is instinctive. The one's per- controlling and one's empowering. Right, right. And so there's this tension there. I think we focus more on the protection and not enough on the preparation. Uh, well, and I'm thankful that you asked me the hard questions and let me come to the conclusion myself versus being like, you cannot marry him. Yeah. You cannot date him. Cause if you had told me that I would have been like, watch me. <laughs> <laughs> You'd be Mrs. So-and-so today. Bleep, bleep, bleep. <laughs> <laughs> so I was wondering ladies. Okay. So one last thing I was looking at an I'm article about seven important values that kids need before they graduate. So these are the things that, you know, before you, before they fly, which one you can each pick one, which one resonates the loudest, which one rings truest for you? I'm going to read through all seven. Uh, before your kids graduate, you want them to know the value of hard work, the value of adversity, the value of true friendship, the value of giving to others, the value of integrity, the value of family, and the value of unrushed moments. Kind of random one at the end there. Which one of those jumped that, out at you? That's hard. For some reason, for me, um, adversity jumped out because I think as a child, you can be kind of in a bubble and be protected. And then you get out in the real world and you're going to face adversity at some point. And I think that resiliency and that adversity, especially with my generation, I've seen is so important because like my grandparents were depression babies. They Mm -hmm. lived through world wars. Um, And so I feel like my generation hasn't had to necessarily face a lot of like serious adversity. And so I think having that adversity early on and developing resiliency is so beneficial for the future. Mm -hmm. Mm. What about you, Chloe? Do I want to jump out at you? Integrity. Me too. That's mine. I think that that influences so many things. I mean, I think that underneath all of these, I think you would want the value of faith. I mean, I think that kind of goes Mm -hmm. without, without saying um, but there's something about maybe it's because I'm a person that I personally really value integrity, mm. but it enables people to trust you. It, it makes you a good employee. It makes yeah. you a good spouse. Um, yeah. It makes you a good member of any team. Yeah. Makes you a good human. Totally. I was with Megan. I was in adversity just because I do feel there are a lot of people today that easily become paralyzed by fear. They don't. They fall short in their calling or what they could do because they're so frozen and absorbed in what's happened to them. The greatest comfort outside our Heavenly Father's love is unconditional love. To know that no matter what I do, no matter what happens to me, there's this group of people Mm -hmm. who love me that I can count on. It gives you such peace. I think of people who don't have those kind of people or who have been hurt to the point that they can't trust anyone to be that kind of person. And that is a very sad, lonely place to live. And I think there's a lot of lonely, fearful people today, Mm -hmm. more so than maybe in my generation. Mm -hmm. So I think today we've given um, a mom 
the perspective of a child and like the lessons we learned as kids, the perspective of a mom, you know, in Susan's story, the perspective of a young adult who appreciated a mom who helped walk her through, make a better decision. It kind of comes back around to remembering that there are a lot of things you can do along the way and that you have to constantly be intentional about the things you do along the way to to see those fruits pay off. And you have to really ponder and have your eyes open to your children because you cannot prepare them if you're missing the lessons. And sometimes we get too busy. We see our kids do something wrong, like mm-hmm. they cheat on a test and we don't want to take the time that your mom took, Chloe, mm-hmm. to make you learn the lesson mm-hmm. from cheating on the test. Had she not done that, you would have cheated again for sure. Because you would have gotten away with it. No offense, Chloe. No offense, Chloe. (laughs) Yes, but now I value integrity. So the problem is the preparation versus the protection takes more time. Yeah. Mm. Because if they don't learn, then they don't learn to process why I should make a better decision next time. Mm -hmm. And Mm. then they're not prepared to be adults on their own. You can find the links to the articles that we talked about today in the show notes. And we also provided a link to subscribe to our iMom Minute so you can get quick daily inspiration right in your inbox every weekday. And if you enjoyed listening, be sure to rate us on iTunes so it helps other moms find us too. And thanks for listening. The iMom Podcast is hosted and produced by Abby Watts, along with Susan Merrill, Megan Tigner, and Chloe Blumenthal. Edited by Isaiah Gunther. 